Blog Talk Radio. Well, you know, why don't we hear a little bit? I, I, I just can't do this without a little Enzo. Is Enzo there? You know, I know he lives with you. Enzo, yeah, he's a, Enzo, he's a here, but, you know, i got to go soon because I have a rehearsal today. You know, we're in the middle of putting together our new opera at the Beantown Opera House, uh, and it's uh, something I've written myself. It took me uh, 58 years to do, and uh, it's called <laughs> Beans and Franks. Yes, I remember. Thank you. That's it's terrific. It's three and a half hours long uh, <coughs> and a four-hour intermission. <laughs> <laughs> now, you're living with Tommy Cussey. Is, is he treating you yes, well, Enzo? Well, I need some place to go in the summertime, and he lives in the Maine, you know, in the beautiful <laughs> coast of Maine. And it's awfully nice to hear, except for today. It's going to rain here. Oh, really? Well, we have beautiful weather in Beantown here. Even uh, bad well, days listen. in Maine are good days. Well, you have to go. I know Tommy's coming on board, but listen, we have a big show today, and I want to get the appropriate music because when we have a megastar on, it's no good unless you do the appropriate music for the for the megastar. So here we go. I don't know the town yet because we haven't got there yet, but from Connecticut, an amazing, amazing, amazing individual who's written, I don't know how many books, but I know he's sold over 12 million children's books all the way from Connecticut. We were just talking about the University of Connecticut we both went to. Tony Abbott. Let's give it up for Tony Abbott here. (laughs) 
Thank Good morning, you. Tony. Thank this is Tony, your man. Yeah, hi, Tony. Nice to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah. I well, love that music, you know. You know. Yeah, I was going to say, I love that music. I, I, it makes me think that I want to go around with a soundtrack wherever I go. <laughs> Life is a soundtrack, isn't it, Tony? <laughs> yeah, it kind of is, yeah. That's why I walk around with a small recorder with the appropriate music on it wherever I go. Especially nice in the well, you supermarket know, asking for help. We were talking about Yukon in the 70s, and of course the Beatles was red hot still, weren't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember well, I, walking. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say I, 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 we didn't get a chance to talk about it before, but I was in a, a rock band in high school, and uh, we used to play Beatles stuff, and uh, and then I kind of left it all behind when I went to UConn. But uh, what was the name of the band? Uh, well, the name of the bland, band was I think it was like Raccoon Blues Band or something. <laughs> uh, I, and were you like the Rolling know. Stones playing a lot of blues? Yeah, I played a lot of blues, a lot of rock stuff, some Neil Young and some Eric Clapton and things like that. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. Boy, what a t- <laughs> talk about a, 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 a time in history with such amazing creativity, huh? Oh, yeah. The, 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 the 60s and 70s music is awesome. Yeah. I keep going back. Yeah. So, so I, I mentioned uh, something about the Rolling Stones to someone. They said to me, oh, you listen to that old stuff? <laughs> <laughs> They're still going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, they are. I just, I just pulled off uh, because I try to select music for the day. There was a, in the 2011, I think it was Emmys. You know, Jagger came out and sang a, a song by Sink Simon Burke, and uh, it was just phenomenal. I mean, he stole the whole Emmys, you know, and he was 70 at the time, dancing <laughs> like he was 17. You know? Yeah, yeah. Looking you know, like a. his concerts with, uh, was it uh, Pump Me Up? Pump me up, oh, yeah. yeah. Pump me up. And now lately, it's going to be hold me up or prop me up, <laughs> one or the other. He's getting on. Up. He still puts on a heck of a show. Yeah, well, I yeah, want to get into, I just was mm-hmm. fortunate, um, because you agreed to do the show a couple of, you know, a little a couple of days ago, I went right to um, Amazon and tried to get something that was on Kindle uh, and so that I could read it. And also, I'm, um, and I'm glad I did this part of it, I'm also an Audible customer, and it's amazing this technology, isn't it, Tony? That you can sync. I mean, you can sync the Kindle to the Audible, and not only be able to read the book and listen to the book at the same time, but wherever yeah. you leave off, both of them start up at the same time. So, I was yeah. able to knock your book off, uh, Fire Girl, in yeah. just a couple of days that way. Mm-hmm. And I was yeah, that's, I, that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, can you, you want to tell us a little before? I want to. Can I <clears throat> read a couple of sections of the book? Oh, sure, absolutely. Go ahead, Tom. Okay, this it absolutely cracked me up. So why don't we read it, and then I'll read it here, and um, and you can give it, give us the backdrop how you got this idea. Because once I read these few paragraphs and these pages, I was absolutely hooked, laughing my butt off, and totally relating to it. And it's about the, the main character, uh, Tom, who is obviously fascinated with uh, this, this young gal, Courtney. And Tom yeah. is going to uh, Catholic school, which I went to Catholic school as well. And in fact, Tommy, you went to Catholic school. That's all I ever did. That's why my religion is so shot. <laughs> and so Tom is in, 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 infatuated beyond belief with, with uh, Courtney. And so he says, uh, maybe it was from reading Jeff's 
comics in the afternoons or thinking about being in the Cobra, which is a sports car, or not being out there enough and having too much time alone. But I thought about saving Courtney's life nearly every day. (laughs) This is how it worked. It could be just an ordinary day, like today at school with the teachers and the books and the milk cartons and the smell of lockers and backpacks all around me. And I would suddenly sense that Courtney was in danger and would have to rescue her. For instance, Courtney and I would be the only ones at school left behind because of something with the buses being gone, and it was late or we were late. Then I would see her at her locker, reaching for the top shelf and looking up into the back of it. Suddenly, the walls would begin to shake, the ceiling would rattle, and the floor tiles would start popping out of the floor. Pop, pop. You could see them shooting up, silhouetted silhouetted in the big square of light coming from the end of the hallway. I'd seen that light a million times before, only this time the tiles were popping right up into it. Pop, 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 pop. I knew right away what it was. Earthquake, I yelled, running to her locker. (laughs) Her hair was moving in a wave as she turned herself to the light then back to me. Ignoring the danger to myself, (laughs) I pulled Courtney by the waist down the hallway toward the light, but as far as it actually was from our lockers to the doorway, it now seemed totally endless. Pop, 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 pop. We ran faster. Now the fluorescent ceiling lights began exploding one by one above us. The floor opened and the huge cracks appeared. A cloud of steam and flames burst up out of the ground under the school. I knew it. The center of the earth, I said angrily. It was just a matter of time. She looked at me, her eyes so wild. But Tom, I shook my head. Just come with me. Dancing over the widening cracks, holding her closely, I drew her toward the doors to safety. We plunged through a small gap of daylight just as the walls thundered down behind us. Standing next to her, breathing hard, as the police and fire engines and ambulances roared up around us, my arms still around her waist. I turned and smiled. First period tomorrow is going to be a little tough. She fainted then. But I caught her, moving my other arm swiftly up under her knees. Do you all have girls like this? Well, there you go. <laughs> Tony, you are insane. I love it. <laughs> well, you know, there was always... It's got to be something uh, from the past. Is that something from your school days? <laughs> yeah. I had a girl like that that I was, uh, thought that very same way about. <laughs> well, you know... Mary, Mary Jean Fitzgibbons. Yeah, yeah. I know. There's always a Mary Jean there's always a Mary Jean Fitzgibbons. There's always a Courtney. And in my case, it was a girl named Barbara. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I just really, really shy and, and almost sort of pathologically shy. So you could never go talk to these people. So it would have to be, you know, the only time you could do anything that would ever get close to them was in a, was in a moment of crisis. And uh, I, I was, go- you know, I, when I was young, I was going through these scenarios all the time. I mean, the other kids would, would talk to the girls and everything. I, I, I couldn't talk to them. I would stutter, so I would, um, you know, I would invent these, uh, these these terrifically weird and bizarre and unlikely scenarios, and be the hero of all of them. Uh, and um, you know, like you said, you, the only thing you did, uh, Tommy, you said the only thing you did was go to was go to Catholic school when you were young. This is the only thing that I did in Catholic school when I was young. There was always a girl. She was always way across the room. And, so, so yeah, so it's. That's a true story. It's a true story. Well, I mean, it's. I mean, is Tommy? Tommy just heard it for the first time. I saw. I said I related to it. Mine was Kathleen Babinski. 
I was yeah. in love with Kathleen Babinski, and, and every night I dreamed the same things, that, you know, I would save her from some, yeah. some impending doom, and we would go off and be married for the rest of our lives at the age of yeah. seven. I mean, I know. Well, you know, what a, what a thought about moment, uh, saving somebody in a moment of crisis, you kind of leap over all that awkward social stuff and go right to the meat of the matter. You saved her life, and now she loves you. Oh, that it could only be even simp- that simple today. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Here's some questions. Uh, well, I was hooked uh, immediately. Yeah. Well, in, in terms of... Um, you know your works, and I, you know, I've talked to painters and uh, you know artists that way, and you know they. It's hard. To, each each work becomes your baby, um, mm-hmm. it, but even as you know, as parents, and you're a parent, uh, even though you hate to admit it, you have a certain relationship with one of your kids that is kind of special, kind of different than the other kids. Do you have that same way with your books? I mean, how, where does Fire Girls stand? Yeah, well. Your, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is true. You know, I always get the question when I go to schools, what's your favorite of your books? And I've written um, pretty much 100 now, so it's very difficult to, to say. But, you know, Fire Girl has a, has a particular place because uh, a lot of it is, is based on, um, you know, when I was young, when I was in seventh grade. And, and even the girl that, uh, that Tom meets who has been in the, in the accident, uh, there was a girl like that in my school. So you read the funny parts, it gets kind of serious after that. But, oh, very uh, serious. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, so yeah. So it's it, it's it, and one of the other things that makes it, I think, one of the one of the, the the books closest to me is because when I wrote it, the first drafts of it, um, nobody really wanted to publish it because I had been writing adventure stories and and other kinds of things, and and uh, while the editors that I had been dealing with liked it, they said, you know, we really can't find a way to promote this because you've been writing a fantasy series, you know, with dragons and swords and things like that. So, um, you know, I'm sorry, we're going to have to pass on this. And it took, you know, it took about five years to find the right publisher. But during that five years, I lived with the story and I, and I tinkered with it and I changed parts and I, and I you know, and I grew uh, with this, with this story. And, and so I spent more time with it, um, even though it's only 140 pages or something, I spent more time with it probably than any other story. Um, that I've ever written, and that makes it very important to me too. Um, so you know, it's uh, yeah, it's very uh, it's very close. Well, it's, it's you know, is this I believe book in the uh, a genre of young adults or teens. Well, or I guess it's, um, you know, it's interesting. It's uh, I would call it middle grade, which is like you know nine to to twelve, and even through middle mm-hmm. school, you know, up to thirteen years old. I've had some really beautiful responses from fourth graders uh, around the country who have read it and have, you know, have prepared these little videos and other kinds of things uh, they do. It's, uh, you know, the characters are seventh graders, but the, the style is, is, you know, kind of simple, so I think a fourth grader can get into it, and, and they have the, you know, sort of emotional maturity um, from fourth grade on to uh, to really deal with it in you know in the ways that yeah it well happen. it is a very emotional book and you know and I'm thrilled to find you finally because I can read at a level that uh, I'm at you know <laughs> yeah. well there's that too. it's there really true I think and and you know I, I hate to bring it up but those those Harry, Harry Potter novels kind of adults reading uh, a lot of literature they probably never would have had their hands on and really enjoying it so yeah that whole market's gotten uh, incredibly large. Oh, it's huge! It's absolutely huge. I mean, I, uh, my first books were published in the in the middle '90s, and the industry has changed so much in the last uh, 20 years. I'm glad to have been it, 
been in it for that that long and started back then because starting today is you know it's much more competitive and the stakes are much higher because you know because the world sort of discovered children's books and 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 young adult and um, you know such money is being made off it that it's 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 really much more competitive to get into it for a young writer um, so yeah I mean we were talking before uh, Tom about um, you know how we talk to young writers and how we in, inspire them or, or yeah. urge them or teach them you know some of the some of the tools of the craft and, and how to deal with it and that's that's one of the fun parts of, of, of uh, you know visiting schools and, and doing workshops and things like that uh, I read your bio yeah. and, and you know it's kind of interesting how you get into this this whole writing uh, and uh, mm-hmm. maybe you could tell us a little bit about how how you went from from college into writing and then writing into into books kind of aimed at a, a younger crowd. Yeah, well, uh, I mean, that's kind of an interesting story. I was I wasn't a real good reader when I was growing up, but I did like to you know I did like stories. I like listen to them. I, I like to make them up, and I finally got got started to to write them probably in like junior high and high school. And then when I got into college, um, I don't know, I just sort of discovered poetry for the first time, and I wrote a lot of poetry in, in college. Uh, very short and sort of cryptic things, uh, and um, and then I had a family, and uh, and and it sounds kind of corny, but when I was reading books to my uh, daughter, and she's now 28 years old, but when she was very small, we, we were reading a lot, and um, the books that she was, you know, she was reading, uh, you know, think books that were available in the bookstore, and then when she got to school, books that that she came home with from the school library were books I had never read. When I was growing up, it was you know Hardy Boys and yeah. Uh, yeah. Treasure Island and things like that. But there was just so much more. It was really the beginning of the sort of the golden age of of, uh, of children's books. And I said, oh, you know, I want to write a story that my daughter would you know would read. And uh, so I read a lot, read a lot, and uh, you know I tried some things and many, many times, lots of failures, until I got to my to uh, to these really kind of short novels for like second graders. And I said, well, this is it. This is what I want to do, and and so I started to write those, and took a lot of classes, and a lot of uh, I went to a lot of conferences, and read all the you know how to write books for children books, and 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 wrote and wrote and wrote. But it was it was probably all the I mean a big part of it was the poetry that I had written, sort of gave me a sense of using the right word in the right place, oh, and um, and so that became um, the thing that I did, and I and I went to a class, and I found an agent, and. Uh, you know, I got my first books published, and my my foot was in the door, and then I just, you know, I said I want to do this forever, and so I that's, started. That's quite hard. a path going through all that. Yeah, well, it's uh, you know, I, I I don't know if that sort of thing would be possible today. I mean, children's publishing was was a little sleepier then, and mm-hmm. uh, publishers were willing to take a chance on a new writer, in I think a kind of an easier, more open way than um, than I think is possible now. I mean, I I would love to be proven wrong about that because there are a lot of you know good new writers coming out but um i think i got into it in the, at a really kind of a golden age of of gentlemanliness about the publishing industry it wasn't right right there's a lot more independent publishing yeah be, you're right well because we've written you know we've written stories for our characters and you know we send out to agents and to publishers and you just get a flat we're not taking anything no they're just both across they're the board just, they're com- they're completely overwhelmed. I mean, the editors that I see are, are dealing with hundreds and hundreds of, of manuscripts a week, and uh, you know, it just becomes very, very difficult for something to sort of rise up to the surface. Uh, right. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of. Now, personal publishing is uh, 
is available with computers and the like. You can actually publish your own work. Yeah, and well, and that, that's another thing. And you know, pretty easily these days. Right, and the internet has has opened up a, a big writing um, uh, arena for people too, and you know things like journalism, which is which is undergoing a change. Um, you know, there there are certainly ways to get your words out there, and uh, uh, it's it's great. I'm I'm just kind of I'm you know at this age stage in my life, I'm I'm kind of glad not to not to have to start something new, but to have gone. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, the the industry, the world is disruptive and creative at the same time right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the things that existed before, but the publishers, a lot of uh, traditional publishers are having a problem too because of the Internet and the you know, new ways of doing it. In fact, our property was, we were in um, Houghton Mifflin, we were sitting mm-hmm. with um, the, uh, their editors and the president of the company, they loved our property and told us that they were going to go with it. And a couple of weeks later, they went bankrupt. Yeah. And had to reorganize because they weren't uh, they weren't on top of the technology. Yeah. Well, that's so yeah, that, that, maybe you're, you're, maybe they because they picked books like yours. They were going out of business. <laughs> Thank you, Tommy. You Thank you. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean they just weren't. Um, they were primarily a, uh, a textbook. They were a textbook company, and that That's had right. not stayed up on the um, you know the, the digital part of it. Yeah. And, um, and but you know a lot of a lot of publishers. Everybody's having to adjust. But you know the thing that, that we want to say to kids is that you know it, you know I just finished um, Stephen Pressling's The War of Art, and mm-hmm. for me it was totally it answered a lot of questions for me that had always puzzled me and, and especially when we started the company we couldn't believe the, the serendipitous and synchronous events that would just be without explanation you know mm-hmm. we created this mascot and ended up in Fenway Park you know the mayor of the city we were in every parade you know and it was just incredible uh, signs saying continue on the way and yeah. you know it wasn't that if we did A we got B if we did A all of a sudden we were a G or H yeah. and yeah. Yeah, and you must have experienced that with. It sounds like it when you talk about your career. How it, it because you desired it and wanted it and went after it and did the work, things opened up for you. Well, really, uh, I mean that that goes. Um, that's that's so true, and it goes all the way through. I mean, when I was in college, when I was in UConn, <laughs> apparently with you, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, I, I hung around because. Writers are weird, so I hung around with them, and uh, I fit right in. But there were so many people who I thought, man, these these guys are really good. You know, this this girl's poetry is so awesome, and this guy's short stories are really good. And I, I ha- you know, I felt like I had a fraction of of some of the talent that I was I was seeing. On the other hand, it was just something I could not stop doing. And I, you know, even when people were saying, you know, no, we don't want to read your books, we don't want to read your stories, and nobody's really interested, I, I, you know, I would say, okay, I'm not writing anymore. And then a couple of weeks later, I'd find myself back at the desk sort of scratching you away. And, you know, and it's that determination that I think, uh, you know, made me seek out these these places where they might be interested in this kind of story or made me seek out these courses and, and finally just to say, you know, I'm not, you know, I just can't give up. This is what, this is what I do. It's like breathing. And, um, you know, and I think well, whatever, you, uh, whatever, you know, you couldn't have said anything more appropriate for what, you know, I, I'm passionate about. This is something that I can't not do. I speak to inner city schools, you know, and I overcame all these obstacles in my life, you know, at the age of 13, you know, losing a leg and a doctor telling me I couldn't ride a bike. 
And three months later, I drove it into his office, and you know, it shocked the medical world because they started taking probably shocked the secretary. Yeah. yeah, that too. She was going, "What are you doing here with that bicycle in one leg?" <laughs> and I came to here to tell the, the uh, Mass General uh, Surgeon, uh, Harvard trained, that he was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, no, yeah, you know, it so when really you do is. have that drive, and that's what I want, you, it, what you just said is exactly what we try to say every single show. It doesn't matter, you know, all of the objections and all the failures, et cetera. What mm-hmm. matters is your passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah and, there, and there are so many, uh, uh, you know, obstacles, even, you know, family obstacles. And, you know, I, there, when I visit a, a class and there's like, you know, there are two classes, there are 45 kids out there, and... You know, a lot of them are looking at me, making eye contact, and then and then you see there's this kind of one boy or one girl who's sort of looking off to the side, bored to to, to tears, yep. and as, you know, as if they're waiting, you know, saying, "Oh my gosh, get this over, get this over." That's you know, and that's the person that I try to get to raise his hand or her hand, say, "You know, I'm going to make you silently say to me, I'm going to make you a part of this next hour that we have together." And you know, sometimes it works, and when it works, it's this amazing you know, sort of victory, you say, okay, I've brought somebody into this thing, they're, they're excited about stories, they're excited about books, and, um, you know, maybe it was just somebody, you know, they didn't want to go the extra mile to get that, but, you know, that's the person that, you know, the other people, you're sort of preaching to the choir, you're saying, okay, you like books, yeah, yeah, we like books, and then this one person says, I don't care, that's the person you need to get. You know, exactly. That's the person you really, you really want to talk to. And, uh, kind of interesting. Uh, we've been talking to a lot of artists, one way or the other, artists, uh, writers of music, uh, writers of books, uh, mm-hmm. uh, different kind of things, and they all have kind of the same story, you know. They just kept at it. They persevered, something that uh, Tom is always pushing. Uh, they followed their dream. Mm-hmm. They were persistent, and, you know, it, it worked out one way or the other. Uh, well, yeah, it's interesting you know, and... that the most successful people always tell us the same story. Well, you know, I mean, and, and I don't want to get on a soapbox here, but I know, and I know you probably know this oh, stuff. No, but there's, no. No, well, there's a, there's a cult uh, today in the media and in popular culture of instant success. You know that you don't really right. have to go, th- you don't have to go through all the steps to get, to you know, there are the reality shows where you can be a star just sort of, you know, saying bad things on TV and, um, yeah, and. Yeah, and you know, and right, you know, the, house, the housewives of this and that, and the yeah, Jersey Shore right. and things like that. You know, so right. so people think that there's a great, a great easy way to, to I don't know what it is, fame or stardom or something like that. But that's not, you know, I don't know. I I, I guess that's fine, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't take you really where you want to go. It doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't give you a, a skill. You know, you need right. to you need to have a passion about something. Well, I don't I don't like to say should or need, but. You know, if you have a passion about something and you and you really do, you know, that's that whole thing. You do something for ten thousand hours, you get become really good at it. Right, right. And uh, that just seems like an insurmountable obstacle. Ten thousand hours, you know, that's like a lifetime. I can't do that. I just want to be famous. So, yeah. So many people equate uh, uh, success with just with money and fame. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. But I, you know, I. Well, and you know, I think I don't know if you've seen The Wolf of Wall Street. Hmm. Uh, well, anyway, it, people talk about, <clears throat> uh, well, you know, it, it's, a, it's a movie about excess and this and that. I don't want to see that. And, and I said, well, to me, it was one of the most moral movies I've ever seen because, you know, the tagline is more is not enough. And that's exactly mm-hmm. right because you see an individual who's fascinated by all of what we just discussed, the money, 
the power of the things and um and 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 he went into the you know and talk about substance abuse everything he did it all mm-hmm. and you know i as i realized I, I i love your blogs by the way and i'm going to start reading more of them and i blog once in a while myself and i said here is an individual who's trying and part of the culture that you just talked about those people are trying to get instant success so they can get that money and start to indulge in all of the things that supposedly are what the goal of life is the, the houses the cars the money the trips the, the whatever and as long as, as you started to observe in the movie as long as he tried to satisfy himself with things from the outside he was doomed Mm-hmm. Because there isn't enough. More is never enough. Because you can't get. Mm-hmm. Because once you've acquired it, it, so soon you become bored with it, and then you're looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I realize now, with the creativity that's coming out of me after all these years of trying, looking for it, and you must experience the same thing. It's that when you all of a sudden look on a page and see something that came out of you instead of from outside into you, yeah. there's no greater, no greater sense of fulfillment. No, no, it's. Uh... It really, it really is, you know, and and I think very much uh, akin to like you know uh, making making furniture or, or or writing a piece of music or something. You know, you see something and and it came out, but now it's outside of you, and now it exists in a you know in in the world, and it's it's something that without you wouldn't be there. You know, that's kind of an odd feeling, but it, you just feel so good about that, and it, you know, it takes hours, it takes you know. Uh, <clears throat> it takes time. It takes uh, all the all the talent and and uh, you know strength that you have to to pull something like that off. But it's uh, but the satisfaction is just so great. Well, that's that's it's so worth it. And you know the, uh, you're just touching something. We're getting out instead of without getting too spooky or weird. And people always tell me this, but you touched upon a part that when you said you just couldn't stop because. I try to tell the kids that there's something inside of you that's bigger than what appears. In other words, mm-hmm. there is a part of you that's driving you to do this, that wants to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I did everything. I majored in economics as, you know, when we were talking about this at UConn, and I used to hang around mm-hmm. all the English majors because yeah. I was obviously attracted to them and the fun they were having. And they used to say to me, what are you doing? You should yeah. be one of us. Yeah. And they were right. <laughs> And and yeah. I ended up being a comedian, totally taken on a path that I didn't. So, you know, if we call it soul, we call it, you know, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, it is driving you to to express what you want to, or what you came here to do. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you, know, you know, I especially said that I'm also a gardener, and there's a great uh, restaurant in town that has these amazing gardens. And I always I steal ideas from that person i didn't know who it uh-huh. was but I, oh, i'd look at that and go oh i gotta do that and yeah, yeah, yeah. and i met her and she was uh and i said to her i said you know i steal your ideas i said the mom's, i said to her uh, you're obviously a professional gardener she goes no i'm a waitress here mm-hmm. and i said what and she said yeah. no i said well let me ask you a question i said is there any way you cannot do this she said no impossible mm-hmm. i have to do it mm-hmm. yeah and that's that part that you're talking about right Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, you know, I think one of the one of the things that um, I, I see in, in in younger kids, like you know, seven, eight, nine, ten, they don't they don't know what that is yet. The thing that that right. is going to finally be their reason for living, you know, they they don't know what it is yet. So there's a you know, the, and and that's what makes it kind of sad when when there are um, cutbacks in schools on on arts programs. Mm-hmm. 
that, you know, because maybe that, you know, that's one of the ways that they're going to find fulfillment. But if they don't, if they don't get it at school and if they don't get it at home, you know, they're going to kind of suffer that frustration until they find it eventually. Um, so, you know, it's, it's all tied together, you know, the, 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 the way that the, the, the children sort of become themselves, their interests, um, the schooling, the, the, the homes, the, the books, the, the music, the, you know, all this stuff just sort of, that's what it, you know, kind of takes a village to, to build a, uh, a young person. Uh, and, you know, and again, I, I don't know what it is about me that is constantly reaching out to kids as you find, exactly as you find that kid that, that isn't paying attention. You want to reach in and say to them, hey, look, you know, inside of you is something that's powerful, more powerful than you can even imagine, that can get you to where you want to go. Right. And you can have this fantastic life. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and, you. Uh, well, yeah, and, you know, I, and when you do get into schools, the last time I was in a school, I mean, it was, there were schools and there were schools, and um, oh, it yeah. always seems to be, right? <laughs> it always seems yeah. to be a reflection of whoever the principal is. You know, I was Tom, you're doing inner city schools too, aren't you, Tom? Yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was just at, uh, yeah, I was I was at one uh, a couple of weeks ago. It was actually my last school visit for the year. Was in a in a school in Bridgeport, which is uh, you know oh, it's, it's one of those one of those places that uh, suffers a kind of a you know yep. economic depression. And yeah. uh, and it, you know it's like five miles from a very very wealthy school. So it's you know it's crazy the disparity. Um, and right. I'm trying to, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, is, is, there, is there something that you can point to, like a principal who just can't muster up the, uh, the enthusiasm to get the kids going, or is it, you know, is it, is it much larger than that, like the, you know, the, the geographics, the demographic of the area? Um, you know, and I, I, I don't know. It's just so, it's so sad, and you feel so helpless when you go to a school, and they have nothing. And, uh, and you know, all the, the, the teachers are, are, you know, kind of struggling to get these kids to kind of, you know, move up. And um, <clears throat> just the resources aren't there. And, the, you know, I don't know what it is. And it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, I hate, you hate to say it's, it's all economic. But, boy, you know, you've, uh, you, you see the difference in a place like Connecticut where we have, you know, both, well, both yeah. extreme. The, the, the whole spectrum is here within a, within a few-mile area. Right, but within that, you know, in my personal experience, I found that in spite of the economic hardships, if that leader, if that is any bit of a visionary and any bit of a motivator and inspirator and open, like I just visited one here in South Boston, and um, I couldn't believe the energy in that room. And part of what she did was defied the conventional um, you know, curriculum, and she brought in a huge music program. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was amazing that the difference in that school. So um, as opposed to those who buckle and don't want to fight the establishment, then, yeah. you know, so... Yeah, that, that it, brings up my, my, my pee that I always talk about. When, uh, <clears throat> when the Times uh, dictate that school budgets drop and drop and drop, and the first thing to go are all the uh, arts programs, music gone, art gone. And I think these are so important to uh, for all the kids in all these studies that uh, I think there have been many studies done that show kids were exposed to this stuff on a regular basis, uh, music, uh, in any way, dancing, painting, writing, uh, end up doing so much better in all their other studies, yet these are the first courses that go when, when, the, uh, yeah. when the times get tough. Yeah, well, there was well, you know, a time the other day... 
Oh, excuse me. There was a piece in the Times the other day about um, uh, reading um, to very, very young kids, like six months old. They can't obviously understand what you're saying, but just just mm-hmm. the fact of a parent reading out loud um, to a child, even at that age, gives them gives them such a, a, a you know a bigger foundation of words and verbal you know uh, using language and the number of words that they have in their vocabulary and their ability to understand things, uh, and that's something that can be done. You know, you don't have to, you know, to be, uh, you know, on the on the top income scale to do. It's just a, yeah, it's kind exactly. of a matter of getting getting the words out um, there. That uh, you know, b- being uh, that sort of sort of pre literacy almost. Um, yep. Being being you know doing that and being aware of that with your with your very young children is is you know because so much happens in a in a young brain that we have yet to understand. You know, they're yeah. soaking up everything and. and uh, so yeah, I mean, teachers are such an important part of this equation as well. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. There needs to be two kinds of teachers: really great ones and really terrible ones, and there doesn't need to be anything <laughs> in the middle. I don't know how to change that, but uh, that's yeah, yeah well, you know, I, I I have great respect for teachers. They just uh, some some teachers have uh, have this you know this passion, the kind of passion we're talking about in, inside yeah, them, yeah. and others exactly. uh, others have it you know sort of taken away by by. Um, School, you know, school systems that are just are just non-responsive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, and and the more we do these shows, I think that we're we're starting to reach a base where we where the parents are becoming aware of what's going on, and the teachers themselves are coming to us, and they're expressing their their concerns and their frustrations. Mm-hmm. And you know, so hopefully, you know, there's one gal we had on um, has a program called Back to Basics. She left being a teacher because just of what you said. And so her whole thing is back to basics, folks. You know, let's read to the kids all the things that you're talking about, and let's mm-hmm. let's demand that the schools give um, you know music and, and art and, and literature, et cetera, um, and that those things aren't taken away. Uh, yeah, it, it's it's you know I want to talk about you know it, well it, everything that you're saying it, it was exemplified by this book Fire Girl because yeah as I'm reading it I'm saying I, I'm and I'm glad I read that first, and not some of your adventure stories. Which now, now that I'm a fan, I'm going to do that. <laughs> but um, and uh, especially if I can steal from you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You go right ahead. <laughs> no, but I like. Well, you 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 allude to like it. Like inscribed as well when you send them to them. Well, you know, when you talk about it on your website, that you get your ideas by reading. Mm-hmm. And, well, um, yeah, but, they're, uh, they're, yeah. Well, like you from looking at the at somebody's garden. You know. Yeah, exactly. You know, and you're inspired by that, and it, it doesn't come out. You, you know, it's it, even though you got the idea from somebody else, it, it comes through you, and you know, it comes out in a different way. You know, one of the, mm-hmm. I think one of the things I'm, I'm a big fan of jazz, and I love Wynton Marsalis. He has his own show on XM, and he mm-hmm. said one day, I think he was talking about Thelonious Monk. And he said, uh, and the way Winton talks is poetic anyway. And he said, you know, every artist has, he says, Thelonious had his a pathway to the divine. And every artist has his pathway to the divine that only they have. And that uh, only they can uh, uh, get there. I mean, mm-hmm. and so when you write, you're touching that part that gets filtered through you and it comes out the way it does. So I'm, yeah, I'm you know, curious. The, Go ahead. No, no, uh, ask your question. Yeah. Yeah, and 
So here's here, and I so I'm really I'm just love the titles of some of your works like Drones, and I, I really want to get get there in this latest one, the uh, the Chronicles. The was it the um, oh the the Copernicus Legacy. Copernicus, yeah, yeah, yeah. But here's this book that you know that came into my hands, which is, and you say it, a total anomaly from from the, the typical genres you do. And I was yeah. amazed. How how is the book done? First of all, has it been successful in sales? Yeah, it actually has. You know, I mean, it's it's now almost. I mean, it's eight years old. It came out in two thousand six. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it it did well, uh, but what's fascinating to me is that it keeps it keeps chugging, and um, and I think you know more more people are finding it now. For instance, if I can base it on royalty reports, uh, more copies were sold in the last six months than were sold in the previous six months, which is you know sort of a testament to schools discovering the book and using it in classrooms. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a perennial, you know, I've never really had a book that uh, has, has lived quite uh, as, uh, as charmed and as long a life as that uh, for being, you know, kind of, kind of short and quiet of a story. So, um, yeah, well, that's what yeah, amazed me. And I, as I was reading it, I'm saying, geez, this is so apropos for today because especially with the bullying thing mm-hmm. and although, yeah, although there wasn't know. a lot of overt bullying in this there was that subtle which may be even worse yeah yeah uh you know and it's uh i have to say it's uh there are a lot of when when i do visit schools or when i hear from from class classrooms and classroom teachers about uh about the book and what you know what they the readers found in the book um i'm always a little humbled um by the response that um you know, I, I read this book. Uh, a student will say, and I, you know, and, and now I'm I'm really careful about how I look at people who seem different than me, and 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 I, and I, you know, I know that they're 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 human, just like I am, and I and I I'm trying to try to respect them a little bit more, even though they're different from me, or they're you know they do things differently, or they're a different color, or whatever, and. Um, and it, you know, I just say, oh my gosh, you know, that's that's an amazing thing to come from a book. Uh, and I think, but on the other hand, I'll, I'll say I think something that maybe a lot of writers would would tell you um, is that the idea of trying to get a reader to think that way is not does not go into the book. I mean, you're you're telling a story uh, that you want to tell, and any sort of message that comes from it, I think, you know, is that great strange. A chemical reaction between reader and writer that the writer doesn't it's necessarily... It's not really intentional, it's just... It's, yeah, right, it's not overtly intentional, I guess. It was, you know, somewhere in the unconscious of the writer to put, you know, to, to make the story f- fall out a certain way, but it's when the reader looks at it and the reader sort of synthesizes all the words and says, I think, I think what you're saying is this, and sometimes for a writer, it's, uh, you know, it's just this moment of... of of awe, and you say, "Oh my gosh!" Yeah. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I think you're right. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. Well, I mean, to me, to me, what was fascinating is that um, your, the, the the lead character uh, uh, admittedly cries. Yeah. You know, and is and is not ashamed of it. Is not you know he just comes right out. Boom! I, yeah, that I cry, and what about it? You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and how it made him feel. I mean, how did you, how did you go down that track? Uh, you know, we, uh, 
It go, it's, I've been crying every day since 1956. So it's a wonder to me. <laughs> well, you well, have you reasons know, too. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a strange and sort of um, a strange and wonderful at the same time thing that happens when you're writing uh, in the in the voice of a character and sort of inside a character, and that um, these moments where you know a character does something really funny or, or, or breaks down and, and cries is a, you know, you, you, you're so identified, the writer is so identifying with the character that he or she is writing. It's, um, you know, and, and, and you say, and, and I, you know, and I broke, and I broke down and I started to cry. And that just seems so completely natural that you know that that's the correct, the correct thing to write, the correct you know thing for this particular moment, um, and 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 I almost want to take sort of logic or or consciousness out of it that that at at these very deep and sort of quiet moments that that characters have, uh, you know you, ca- you you as the writer are really kind of inside them, so you're uh, and I want to say this in quotes, you're almost not responsible for you know the places that they take you, even though of course you're writing the character consciously but there's this whole subconscious or, or uh, unconscious element uh in in writing that um that yeah you know you come away and you say oh my gosh you know my character cried and uh, and, and and in this and in fire girl you know i think he cries right in front of courtney the girl that he's trying to impress so that's right wow you know the worst thing you can do and uh, and he does it and it's perfectly right at that moment and uh you know, I don't know. There are these uh, there are these uh, places and times in writing a story where you're just so in sync, I think, with the story and the characters in the story that um, I don't want to say the writing the story writes itself, but you know, you're you're writing. Of course, it does. Kind of, you know, and we talk uh, about that. You know, almost every <laughs> t- we won't mention names, but we had an individual on a couple of weeks ago said that everything. No, everything comes from me. <laughs> you know, and we were. I was like shocked. And Tommy, it's all was shocked. It's all copyrighted. It's, it's all completely. You know, it's, it's all, all my ideas. Idea. It's all my imagination. And no, I don't channel anything. And no, and I was like, well, gee, you know, I, I, you know, later after the show, I wanted. I said, why didn't I say to him, God, will you write a book about how you do that? Yeah. <laughs> because you know, you're the first yeah. one. Yeah, go ahead. If you get on that couch, uh, you know, like a therapist's couch or something like that, and you try to really, you know, obviously it comes from you. If you weren't there, it wouldn't happen. But on oh, the other yeah. hand, there, there are just these, you know, the, the layers and the depths to to your uh, imagination and your psyche and whatever mental tools and, and sort of emotional tools you bring to the story. I don't think, I mean, you know, uh, and, and I th- <laughs> You know, I think people are just sort of uh, tongue-tied sometimes when they're trying to get their their thoughts across to another person in conversation. When you're when you're writing it, you get to kind of a deeper level, and and yeah, I mean, well, yeah. that's you know, nobody has done it better than you today in t- trying to explain that to kids, is and to adults, to everybody. You know, you have yeah. to go there. You have to sit down. You have to take the pen. You have to take the paper, or the, however you want to do this, and you yeah. have to go there. But if you do it long enough. And you consistently do it. It's as Stephen Pressfield says in The War of Art: the muse will show up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and that magic. I I just call it magic. I just think it's absolutely magical when it. You can feel the shift. And yeah, you know, and uh, you can read that sometimes in somebody else's book. You know, where yeah, all they're 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 
all the cylinders are are popping and they're you know everything is working and word after word after word is just absolutely on point and that's an amazing thing that's when you you say wow this book is is you know this is something else and it becomes yeah, one exactly it transcends you know it, we're all the conduit for that to appear but you know i think when you honor and respect that place that whatever you want to call it the muse the universe mm. you know god whatever um you know the angels whatever and you you got to understand yes the cosmic muffin that's why tommy and i started calling it the cosmic muffin which i think is a great term to not offend those people who have their particular name for whatever the process is but it's it's a beautiful place yeah exactly just to the top of the muffin and uh but yeah it's it's a magical place and so you know and I think, you know, the path that I went down and becoming a comedian, and I first was a magician, and I got laughs by doing certain effects. And then when I got into comedy, I realized for the first time I would have to write material, and and I had no idea how to do that. And I started reading books, as you say, about how to write books or how to write material. Yeah. And so, and then all of a sudden, so, you know, I read Writing Down the Bones. I don't know if you've ever, uh, Natalie Yeah, I know, yeah, I know that book, sure. Mm-hmm. It's a great book because she talks about finding your voice. Mm-hmm. And, I th- you know, that's why I tell kids all the time, and we tell them every single show, even if you don't want to be a writer, write, because mm-hmm. you don't know what you're going to find in there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think right. you know, I've and something. Dance, do it all. Yeah. It's all yeah. yeah. And I've, I've come to sort of um, believe this thing that sometimes you don't actually know <clears throat> how to verbalize or how to, you know, how to really nail down what you think uh, until you kind of use the words. Um, you know, you sort of write it down. Uh, I, there is a famous quote, I forget who, who said it, you know, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what I know or I don't know what I think until I write it down. And that seems right. silly in a way, but it's also kind of true. I mean, I find myself when I'm plotting out a story, I'll say, you know, why, why does this person do this? And I, I will write that down in, in words on a paper, and then I will try to answer it on the paper. And and lo and behold, you know, you, the way the, the brain works, you know, you, you look at the question, you look at the answers, and you say, okay, now I know. And uh, so, I mean, writing does this, this you know, it is an amazing, it's kind of an amazing educational tool for the self, even if you don't plan to, like, publish novels or, you know, whatever, uh, or, you know, or write, or write uh, uh, comedy or, 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 you know, journalism or whatever. Writing in itself is a, is a, is a great discipline, I think. Absolutely, and it, and it leads you to places like when I decided at that point I wanted to write my biography, I mean, it was just mind-blowing every day to, first of all, go back and relive those times and to spend two or three hours a day riding this crazy roller coaster of remembering those people and the names and the events and going from howling laughter to just breaking down and sobbing you know, mm-hmm. because I had missed those people, and saying, I'm all alone, and I'm taking this amazing ride. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, well, how long do you write? Every, go ahead. How long do you write every day? I'd, I'd like to. Uh, every day, I, you know, I, I worked in, in an office uh, business uh, for, for many years, and I, I've kind of maintained that, uh, you know, every day, like 8 o'clock to 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. I try to keep a full day. And, of course, working at home, which is what I do now, um, there's no such thing as, as a weekend anymore. So Saturdays and Sundays, right. I'm pretty much doing the same thing. You know, outside of mowing the lawn and 
things I need to do. But um, yeah, I try to keep a you know fairly disciplined schedule. I've got a room um, on my house, or I mean, it's, it's the back room of the house where um, where I work, and it's kind of separated from the rest of the house. And so it's my little uh, you know my little sanctum, and and that's where I am most of the time. That's been interesting. Right. When your kids were younger, you were trying to write at home during yeah. the summer, especially when they were in school. And yeah, that's. I mean, that get you know, and you have to you know you have to uh, be that be the person too. You have to be the parent. And um, mm. uh, now both kids are in their twenties, and uh, you know it's my wife and I and two dogs, and uh, the dogs are sort of taking the place of the, the kids because they need you know they need to go out, they need to take a walk, and all this stuff. And that's fine. Be careful; uh, they might come back to live with you for a while. Uh, I yeah, the, right, the boomerang kids, the boomerang kids. I love that. <laughs> Yeah. Can I so. read another? Here's an. Uh, I wanted to get to this part of the book because this is, again, it shocked me for a children's book. I'm, you know, I haven't read a lot of kids' books. Uh, even though I'm writing, we're finding that we're, especially with this other comedian, and it's funny because we do find that zone when we work together, um, which is just absolutely magical. But um, here's here's the the um, the actual point. The fire girl speaking and she said um uh she she breathed out then she said quietly it doesn't matter i really have other stuff important stuff about getting better or or not getting better every time i go in the hospital i find out all over again about what really matters and she says i was and then he says i was shaking imagining the hospital then the car and jessica on fire inside her tears started boiling up up out of me but people are actually scared of you i said of the way you look. They don't want you around. You have to hate them. I noticed she was now trembling, her hand shaking in her lap. Sure, I hate them. You don't even know. But there are always some people who won't be that afraid. I'm afraid, I said, surprising myself because I thought it was the worst thing I could say. But it was true. The way you look, it scares me. I'm too scared to be close and nice to you. I don't say anything. I don't talk to my parents about you. I never talk to you where anybody can see me. Jessica laughed abruptly. Who cares who sees you talk to me besides you said my name that was something and so i mean these are this is powerful stuff for kids to be reading yeah yeah well thank you for reading that part i mean it's, it kind of balances out the the funny part at the beginning uh i um yeah well um i don't know you know i was i, was, I remember uh, writing those parts you know when they're uh, they're just the two people together talking and they're talking really quietly and uh you know you just uh you just inhabit that 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 space where the characters are and the and the uh, the conversation and the pauses and the embarrassment and the the fear and the you know and the and the the words that they say and the words that they're thinking but they won't say and um i don't know it's you know it's that's why again it's it's just uh, it's such a uh, a very close book for me and it's very personal um because i think i you know i kind of Said things that I didn't think it was possible for me to to say, or wrote things that that were, you know, didn't seem possible for me to write. I, mean, I got to a point deep enough into the into those characters to be able to write something that uh, seemed very very true to me. Uh, well, just so, on the way you're saying it, that isn't it a? And this is what I we want to tell kids. At least I want to tell kids. You reach a place of joy, don't you? I mean, when you're yeah, in that magical you know, it, world. I'm I'm glad you said that because even in the scenes where you know the the characters are sort of uh, uh, bubbling with with tears and 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 sort of uh, you know afraid of, of 
what they're going to say next. There is that there is that thing that is this river of, of 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 joy that runs through you as you're as you're writing the words and as you read them over and you say you know you say wow I did I I didn't write this this came from somewhere yeah, else. There you go. <laughs> and, uh, and you write a passage like that and uh, you no know, and just just as you finish writing that passage which is pretty intense. And all of a sudden, you hear your wife say, "Time for dinner." I mean, you yeah. just get up and, and go to dinner. I'm sorry. The dogs need to go out now. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know that, and that sort of sort of brings you brings you back. But uh, you know, there it, that's what makes writing so wonderful. I think at least this way, where I'm 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 in the house, and you know, the, the writing the story is it just goes moving in and out of the the daily routine and makes it that much mm. more real and. Um, you know the, the fabric of of the stories and the fabric of daily life is just you know when they come together in certain ways and you know when somebody does interrupt or something else happens you know the uh, that you know that, that's that's great and I'm really really uh, so lucky and so privileged to be able to do this uh, as a oh you know, love it. and that's what we again my mission my legacy that I want to live kids live your dream I mean you yeah. know yeah. and it's not easy. Uh, you had to struggle. For, you got rejection, and I, I went Gosh, to my stepdaughter's okay. graduation the other night, and it was a great thing. And, um, that somebody quoted Oprah saying, "Expect failure, yeah, because yeah. failure is part of the process, and failure means you're trying." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, right. And nobody's a... right, and nobody's free from it. You're, we're all going to do that, but right. you keep going. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, just harking back to the thing where some, somebody does become successful without it seems any failure and that's you know that's kind of a bad thing to uh, to get into one system that, that it's possible now it's you know it's the it's the passion it's the work it's the um the you know the the, the joy that you can't even tell people about because it's just so deep that that uh, comes from the, the thing that you do yeah and again it doesn't yeah. come from you know slamming it on America's got talent and ended up with the i mean let's let's talk uh, Tommy and I talk through Enzo a lot of times about uh Justin Bieber and you know look at him through my mind yeah yeah you know here's all the success example. and everything else and success it's all and, uh, it's all crumbling in on him yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no i know and that's you know that's kind of a sad case too the the the, the people that get um you know they get fame too too early, and that they're not prepared for it. And um, you know it is like a it is like a machine, I guess. It is, and all the people around him uh, treat him like that. I, I really don't blame him that much. No, and no, I mean it takes your innocence away without you yeah. know without you really having enjoyed it. So. Uh, but reached uh, all kinds of problems as we've seen in the past with oh yeah <clears throat> instant successes with. The, all kinds of uh, social problems and drugs and alcohol and well, you know, that, I mean, that's the old story with. Washed up, and they're uh, eighteen years old, and they're washed up. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I sort of grew up with the with that being Elvis's uh, story that you know they oh, yeah. uh, they plucked this kid from Tupelo, Mississippi, and they made him yeah. an enormous star. And uh, I mean, you know, he had a fairly long career uh, in terms of things, but you know, at the end, it was you know. Yeah. We know what Elvis became. You yeah. look at those yeah. early movies like Blue Hawaii and oh. Girls, Girls, oh. Girls, and you say, yeah. oh, my yeah. gosh, was he beautiful, yeah. and the music was yeah. great. Oh, he was an Adonis. Yeah, I right. Mean, and, and, you know, yeah. 
So he I, had it I, all. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I hate this. I don't want to start anything, but in, in my mind, he was a type of god. You know, if, in the yeah. Greek sense. You know, I mean, he got it all. He, he not only oh, got yeah. the voice, but he got the moves. He got the charisma. He had the looks. He had it all. And he changed. He changed the world. Like me. Yeah. 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 Here's here's a um, here's a beautiful paragraph. Here it says, for the next few minutes, this is Tom and and Jessica. For the next few minutes, we didn't say anything. I wiped my face and rubbed my hands on my pants. The room was almost totally dark now. Um, as the minutes went by and we didn't speak, the silence went around and around, dropped down over us like the night dropped into the room. It was strange, but it was okay. It was good. We were quiet, both of us in her dark room. I practically couldn't see her anymore. She was just the shape of a person. But I felt that all of the places I could be, at supper in my room, watching TV with my parents, in Jeff's car, anywhere, I was in the one place I should be doing what I should be doing. Uh, the room darkened finally and completely. I still knew the rest of the world was outside the window, but it was okay without us. Everything was just waiting for us to finish what we were doing. Quote, um, he, uh, it was dumb to ask for a lot now, she said after a while. It took me a long time to figure it out, but when I throw up or pass out or hurt all over or get some new test results, it seems stupid to want to be pretty or to have friends or to fit in or to be in high school. I just feel amazed each time I wake up after treatment, still know who I am. My mother, my mother was the first one with me when I woke up after the accident. She gave me this. She moved into the dark, and I just made out that she took the stuffed green frog from her pillow and held it up. You said you hated her. She shook her head sometimes. Then she said in a whisper, I was so afraid, Tom. Do you know what I did when I woke up for the first time after the accident? What? I asked her if I was still alive or if I had died. She turned to me. I was crying again. Isn't that the dumbest thing? And she didn't say anything. All she did was cry and cry. I guess she didn't know what to say. I didn't know then what it was like. Isn't that the dumbest thing to ask if I was alive? I wiped my face and remembered what everyone had said, that they couldn't believe she was alive. It's not dumb. I'm glad you're alive now. That is so freaking incredible. I mean, what did it feel like when you saw that come down on the paper? Yeah, it's uh, you know there are some. Uh, I remember now some parts, <clears throat> and I told you that I, I wrote that book, you know, on and off for five years. Uh, but there are some parts that that came out um, the first time, and they and they stayed that there was you know there was very little revision, editing, suggestions about about changing it. And and that's one of those passages. I, I love that scene and I'm I'm really I'm sort of proud and awed that you that you read it so nicely. It's um yeah, you know, you you some sometimes you, you hit it hit it you perfectly I think and and I, I don't want to go back to this but uh, it it just comes from a place and uh it's almost, you know, beyond what you feel your own talents are, and uh, yeah, so exactly. many spots in that book. Um, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm like the artist we had a couple of weeks ago, Tommy, who said, "No, it all comes from me. <laughs> There's never any magic." <laughs> yeah. I thought it was a 20-minute well, question know, and, and, and that was the answer. Yeah. Well, here, here is. Here is just a couple of lines down, and this is how I feel every single day, you know, with my own personal experience. And you said. Um, um, he says, it's a good thing to be, I said. You could do a lot with just being alive. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and that, there it is right there. I mean, so many of us forget that gift that this is, no matter what you're going through. The fact that you're around to experience something, whether it's, you know, triumph or, or tragedy at the time, but to be present in the here and now and on this planet and doing this part of whatever the journey is about is, uh, and I yeah. got to, you know, having the, tra- I, I related so much to what the book was about, not that I was burnt, but, but that, you know, here I am at the age of 13, stigmatized by um, the fact that, you know, wherever I went, especially if I, you know, went out without my prosthesis on, you know, I was an object of, you know, curiosity and the same thing, people just staring at me like, and at first it was tough, but then it also, I don't know if you're a fan of um, Malcolm Gladwell at all, mm-hmm. but he just wrote a book called David and Goliath. And yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, he just, have you read the book or? No, I haven't read that one, no. no. Yeah, but he dispels the notion that it, that it is the, and this is what you touched upon and what you did is that she really is the hero of the book. I mean, Tom is as well, but she's the one who rises above it all. All, You know, she's the one who's okay with herself, even though the other kids, and she's also okay with the other kids not being okay with her. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a, that that was a revelation um, to me when, when, uh, you know, she, the, the, the conversation seemed to be going in that, that place. And I said, well, that makes that makes so much sense for her, you know. And that, I have to mention a little technical thing because there was a there was a point at which the publisher said, you know, that the the title of the book I think is might might turn off some boy readers um, because it sounds like it's about uh, you know a girl. And I said, well, you know, but that's that's the way this that has to be the, the title of the story, even though a boy tells it and. You know, it's it's uh, as much about Tom as it is about Jessica, but it, it, she's you know, she's the, the 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 superhero here, and and they talk about superhero powers throughout the book, um, <laughs> quite a bit, you know. Well, you know, this is very reassuring for me because throughout the our property. Everybody, it was at one point when they were telling us, "Oh, this is preschool, so you have to direct all your writing to preschool," and for. You know, I fell for it for a little bit, so mm-hmm. I tried to do it like that. And then I said, I, I can't, I can't. It's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and something that you alluded to is that this, even though this book is, uh, is fits, it optimizes at a certain range, you find that it drifts down to the fourth grade. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it does hit the young kids, even though you're not targeting that specifically you just write your truth don't you i mean yeah isn't that yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, well that's the thing that uh i think uh sometimes you get the question um from not 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 from not from young readers at all but from adults uh that uh you know how how do you write the the characters so well you know you're an old person how do you write a young and and do you you know do you use certain vocabulary and things like that and and I, and I have to say no if you start using particular vocabulary if you start writing down to an age group you've already sort of sabotaged the story yeah you're, you're screwed you really are it's not going to work and and so you know my my advice is you, you you write the story that needs to be written and it will it will find the right reader and if it's exactly you know if if it's if it's true if the story is true to itself then it's already written 
the way that it needs to be written, and, and you know, you don't have to think about sentence length or paragraph length or right. chapter exactly, you know, exactly. And you know, you, you set the, you know, you, we, you know, we again, we just did a series of recordings, and I think we wrote forty five to eight minute bits in about two months time and we went into the studio not even having a clue what we were going to do and we just set up scenes and then do one run through and they would come out mm. perfectly 90% of the time mm. once in a while we'd have to go back and edit a word or two but you know everybody said well what age group is this going to be and we said we don't care <laughs> it yeah. is what it is and it will find the age group and you know that I finally it took years to be able to finally have enough faith in myself to say that again you know everybody tries to measure something in society well how did it sell what is this what's the market mm-hmm. well that's mm-hmm. not the point is it right right yeah and that's you know we were talking before about what's what's been happening with the uh, the publishing industry over the last couple of decades and and that's one of the things that sort of um a demarcation line between one age group and another uh, has become part of the the, the, the mechanics of, of a children's book publishing, and I I think it was it was less defined before, less less stringent in terms of oh where does this fall? You know, it's just right. there were books that that were, people would love uh, no matter where. You know, I'm 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 reading a book called The Little Prince now, which is oh yeah, uh, fabulous. Kind of, uh, yeah, right. Uh, in the, yeah, in the forties and. Uh, yeah. You know, and that and that's something that people have been sort of, you know, it's a it's a book uh, for uh, written at a at a at a child's reading level perhaps, but the ideas are so weighty and and huge, they're cosmic in a sense. So, yeah. you know, where yeah. does that fall? And I think uh you know, somebody writing a book like that um today might have had uh well, no, we we're going to, you know, we're going to trim this in a certain way to make it available for a particular <laughs> audience. <laughs> And uh, I mean, I, I suppose that's a kind of a crude thing to say that now things are are that way and they didn't used to be before. But you know, you can kind of sense that there that there are more guidelines today than there used to be in uh, in, in children's publishing. And um, so I don't know. You know, it goes back to write write the true story and it'll find. You know, that's and that's a Hemingway thing, right? You know, write one true sentence. Yep. And then write another one to go with that, and another one to go with that. And when you feel like you're going off board, you you start to erase those and go back to the true sentences again. And I think that's the way story, you know, the stories that last are, are written that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a scene. You know, who doesn't love Hemingway? I mean, and look at how he just wrote these short, terse, you know, yeah. sentences that were yeah. compounded when you got to the whole story that turned out to be you know, like little pieces of mosaic. And then you look yeah. up and you see this incredible, you know, work of art. Yeah, well, that's, and, yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, it's just fabulous. And uh, have you seen um, the movie Hemingway and uh, his, I forget, his the, the, his oh, uh, final wife? Good. Yeah, uh, Martha Gellhorn. No, you know, I haven't seen yeah, that one. Oh, there's a brilliant scene. Yeah, there's a brilliant scene. They're in the Keys or Cuba or whatever, and she wakes up, and he's banging away at his bureau. He's got his typewriter on top of the bureau, and he's just slamming the keys. Mm. And she says, oh, Ernest, what time is it? He goes, no, get up. He says, yeah. <laughs> and she says, uh, we're nervous. She says, we drank two bottles of wine and a bottle of rum. She says, what time did you get up? He goes, six. He says, and she says, he says, well, he says, I learned something a long time ago. He says, uh, writing is nothing more than bleeding at the typewriter. 
Yeah. And he says, and if you don't show up every day, God gets pissed. <laughs> and true. Yeah. it really comes down to that, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so, and I think that that, that, that everyday thing is, uh, you know, has been echoed by writers since probably before Hemingway too. But certainly that, you know, that that maintaining the thread between your mind and heart and the story on the page uh, is, you know, it's kind of a daily activity. It's like, uh, you know, saying your prayers or or uh, you know, washing your face or whatever you do every day. You know, it kind of needs to be. You need to be there uh, because too long away uh, from, you know, the, there's so many distractions in daily life that, that, you know, writing a story seems like, well, it's kind of this weird thing I do at my desk, but, you know, you're you're kind of creating life there, too, and you can't really neglect it. Of course you are. You know. Of course you are, and that's, you know, that's what I've learned is that, and, and again, Pressfield, uh, you know, it's very reassuring, I think, what he did for me in that book is all of these things that I was always kind of curious about, how is this happening? Because it was inexplicable. You know, it's kind of like Einstein calls spooky occurrences at a distance. And then he just says, that's because you're going there every day and you're going to get assistance from the other side, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And, and, but you have to knock, like Hemingway says, you've got to do it. And if you don't show up, it goes away because you know, you're not yeah. knocking on the door. Right. You know? And, um, and, and it, I feel, you know, when I see people succumb to it's not going to be easy and when they say you know whatever they do they say oh it's too hard or it's not coming and they walk away and i get heartbroken because they don't understand that if they do stay with it it will come yeah yeah and and being easy is not is not the the satisfaction it's just, as hard exactly. as exactly better oh, yeah imagine yeah, imagine if it was just, you know, you didn't have the valleys. I mean, what fun would the peaks be, you know? I mean, it's like, yeah. you know, I mean, this, that's the skill and the, and the discipline that, that, that makes it all rewarding. Yeah. Tony, yeah. I'm so glad you joined us. This is uh Well, me too. Wow. This is a great conversation. So much fun. So much fun to talk to you guys. Yeah, well, I promised to, to be fun. Will you come back sometime? We'll, I'll I read would another one that. of your books. I certainly yeah. enjoyed listening to you. Uh, thank I, you. Uh, thank you, Tommy. It was great I'm to talk to you. I'm going to actually get one of your books. Yeah, oh, my gosh. Well, that's a bonus. Yeah. Well, well I'm, I'm a sold. I mean, yeah. you, you had me... Yeah, you had me right from the start cracking up and totally relating to saving the, you know, Kathleen Babinski's life and living with her. God, it would have been 60-something years now. Well, yeah. <laughs> You've been an old married guy by now, yeah. Well, I hope no, we are now friends, and I hope yeah, that we're, uh, and we can uh, chat once in a while. I'm going to, which would you suggest I read next? Well, for something, as they say, completely different, uh, the, the the new one that's out, the Copernicus Legacy, is kind of an uh, international thriller. Uh-huh. Uh, so, I mean, there are there are characters there, and they have some, uh, you know, they have they have flaws too. But the the, uh, the main thing is uh, is a sort of a worldwide hunt for these hidden objects, and uh, uh-huh. and that's kind of fun too. I guess that's a, you know, we all have different sides. You know, you magician, comedian, uh, writer. Uh, you know, uh, radio guy, and I'm, you know, I, I have these different things that I want to do. So I love, uh, I love thrillers and mysteries, and that's kind of the other part of my uh, writing persona, I guess. So you yeah, can find that. Do you have a website that uh, we could? Uh, yeah, that's you know, what I was yeah. just going to ask that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, www.tonyabbottbooks.com. 
Um, there is a, another Tony Abbott, of course. He he's the Prime Minister of Australia. Um, I, you know, I used to do that on weekends uh, while I was writing all these books. Uh, so, well, so, you know, I, oh, I, I did want to, one other thing. I noticed that you've co-written with other uh, people. Um, well, I've not like? co-written, but there are. Uh, I'm actually not co-written with the people. The uh, the other people listed are the illustrators, uh, which oh, is I a whole see. other uh, whole other topic of, of uh, you know how books come to be. I don't do illustrations myself, so um, right, I think right. that uh, that's probably what you're referring to. No, all the, okay. all the books I've written are all mine. Good for you. Well, fabulous. Tony, thanks again, and I can't wait to – I will read the, the Copernicus legacy, and uh, maybe in a month or two we can do this again. That will be great. That will be awesome. Terrific. All right. All right. Thank, Thank you guys so much. All right. Take care. All right. Take care, Tony. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was fun, wasn't it, Tommy? That was great. What an interesting man. Yeah, Cross exactly. sounded like and a teenager. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's you staying young by writing all these kids' books. Well, Blog Talk listeners, thank you from Portland, Maine, and Boston, Massachusetts, Beantown, USA. That was another fabulous show, and uh, we're gonna really spread this around the uh, the world because that uh, Tony's an amazing guy and writes amazing, amazing works. All right, thank you, folks, and that's it for today. Thanks. Great. Ciao, ciao. Bye bye. So Just follow the beat For real, you can feel the excitement in the air Leave your worries behind and just forget about your cares Grab a Frank at Fenway and see a soft game Cause sometimes you want